Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the incredible privilege of telling the next generation about the things of Christ. And we pray that you would build your church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And we, we know, Lord, that Malachi says that when the hearts of the fathers turn to you, then the hearts of the fathers turn to the children. And we pray this day for fathers, that you would make us godly fathers who yearn to live out as a pace setter the reality of Christ. And we ask, Lord, that we would speak Christ to our children and our children's children, and that we would live with dignity and we would understand the gospel of grace and rejoice in that. So bless our homes. Bless us, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. As we celebrate uh, Vacation Bible School, also, I, I normally don't do this, but there's a woman here among us today, Mary Hines, of, who was celebrating, Hines, who's celebrating her 100th birthday. So happy birthday to her today. That's amazing. Well, just um, special apology to the people in the gym. Um, I, I've got this dermatological thing going on. Everybody says, what in the world did you do? It's, it's, I, I didn't fall asleep in a tanning bed for eight hours. Uh, so I'm going through this. The good news is that the doctors tell me that when this is done, I'll look like this. <laughs> so uh, my wife is very excited. So, uh, so uh, it's worth it. <laughs> I didn't know I'd get that much of a laugh. <laughs> that startling a difference. I'm, my feelings are kind of hurt. We're in 1 Peter. We're in 1 Peter chapter 5. And in 1 Peter 4, 19, the scripture says to this church that is in the midst of persecution and going into a, an incredible time of prolonged persecution under the emperor Nero. It would happen a year after this letter is written, we think. It says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And, and so the question is, how do we continually entrust our souls? How do we stand strong and firm in the Lord? And we've been going through that the last few weeks. We come to a passage today that you just heard read that, that says, be self-controlled and alert. Be self-controlled and alert because you know that your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Be self-controlled. The word for self-controlled means do not be caught up in any excess that makes you mentally dull or spiritually lethargic. Do not be caught up in any excess that makes you mentally dull, that takes away your passion and the priority and the centrality of Christ in your life. So be self-controlled. Have no other gods before you. Be startled, wide awake, self-controlled, and alert. And alert means be startled, wide awake. I, I, I thought about how, how to communicate this word for to be alert. It's like we're, we're driving down the interstate. It's late at night. You're tired, and you nod off, and you wake up quickly, and your car is going sideways down the median, and you're able to ride the car and get back on the freeway, you are awake for the next hour. 
There's no, you are startled wide awake. And I think that's what this word means, that, that as you understand the, the enormity of life around you, as you understand that you fight against the, the, the evil of a worldly system, that you fight against your own indwelling sin and you fight against the devil, be startled wide awake. Don't be lethargic. Be self-controlled. Be watchful. Be alert. And that, that's the call here. Because of these things, Peter says, you be self-controlled and you be alert because you are fighting for the glory of God, the advancement of the kingdom and the generations to come. Be alert. Don't, don't fall into the the lullaby of insouciant nothingness that streams from the culture that says man's life is not that important and really man's life consists of what he can own or, or what he can do. No, no, you, you live differently. You march to a different drummer. The drummer is the beat of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. So you be alert, you be self-controlled, you be alert and you be self-controlled because you have an adversary, the devil. The word for adversary means one who accuses. The devil accuses us. He says to us, he whispers to us, you can't be forgiven, you can't be used. If only they knew what you had done, they would never allow you to fill in the blank, whatever. And that is just a lie from the pit of hell. Our sins are covered by the work of Jesus. And so don't listen to the adversary. Your adversary, your accuser, the devil prowls like a roaring lion seeking to drink people down. See, a, a hungry lion prowls. If you're in Africa and you're going by a shade tree and you see a lion sitting up there, laying there, and you see two skeletal wildebeest dead at his feet, and he can't move because he's just eating two wildebeest, you probably, you're, you're not in bad shape. It doesn't say you're the satisfied lion, the satiated, the full, the digestive in process lion. It says the prowling lion. Your adversary, we fight against an evil force the forces of darkness, the devil and his minions. He prowls about like a roaring lion. As one translation says, he would like nothing better than to catch you napping. A roaring lion. This is like a guy that goes to sleep, sitting outside. He's in a lounge. He's got a shaggy dog next to him. And he's patting the head of the shaggy dog. It's a, what's a shaggy dog? What's a, what's a shaggy dog? Anyway, a dog with shaggy. I don't know. It's not a, I don't know dogs. Not a greyhound, not a basset hound. Dog you know, with hair, shaggy hair. Sheepdog, thank you, sheepdog. So a shaggy dog, and you fall asleep in the sun, and you wake up, and the sheepdog has gone on, and, and uh, an escaped lion has come in and is sitting next to you. And you, you wake up, and you start patting the shaggy head. And it's a lion. A lot of us are petting lions, and we think they're shaggy dogs. We're on the precipice of making really, really bad decisions, or we're making bad decisions that will discredit the name of Christ, that will limit the power of the Spirit in our life, and will bring God's judgment upon us. And others of us are just, quite frankly, lethargic. We don't realize we're at warfare. And so, really, the devil has us where he wants us. That's, that's why in, in, in first. 
Timothy chapter 4, Paul says to this young preacher, says, Timothy, be diligent in these matters, Bible reading, Bible teachings, pursuing the things of God, so that everyone may see your progress. Then he says this, watch your life and your doctrine closely. See, life and doctrine. And in 2 Peter picks up the same theme and he talks about your life. And he says, make every, do everything you can to add to your, to your, to your faith action and to your action knowledge and self-control and perseverance to godliness and to godliness, brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness, love. And he gives this promise, he says in verse 8, for, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. No one here who's a child of God wants to sign up for the ineffective, unproductive care group. I want to be in the community group that's committed to being ineffective and unproductive. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to make an impact. I just want to die. And then the next promise about your, your life, you see, this is about life, okay? Verse 11, for, for in this way you'll be richly provided for and gain an entrance into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You'll, you'll receive a joyous welcome into heaven when you die. Life. Then he closes his book by saying, remember doctrine. Remember doctrine. Remember be people who are by the word, who honor Christ. He talks about how people will twist the Bible, twist the truth, distort it. And he says this in verse 17. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, you take care that you're not carried away with the air of lawless men and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead of losing your stability, you grow. You're alert. You're self-controlled. Now, there's, I'm going to preach on this in the fall. I'm going to preach about spiritual warfare, God willing. One of the great questions that people dispute and talk about is can, can a, a follower of Jesus be demon possessed and I think not but I think it's a quibble over words a follower of Jesus can be severely demonized no one can snatch you from the father's hand if you truly are regenerate and the question is am I truly born again but that's another ser sermon and but, but, but a Christian can be severely demonized and tormented by demons by leaving off the watch, by being involved in, in, in sin that grieves the Holy Spirit, whereby you don't repent and flee from it. You can make yourself ineffective and unproductive by being unalert or being involved in sin. And that's why Peter says here, if you're going to fight the good fight of faith, you've got to be self-controlled and you've got to be alert because your adversary, the devil, is prowling. He's a roaring lion and he wants to drink you down, your adversary. The Bible says the devil is a liar and the father of lies, John chapter 8. The Bible says that the, that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. The Bible says the devil is the deceiver. Here's my concern. If that were all the devil was, it'd be easier to fight him. But there's a little passage in 2 Corinthians 11 that says the, the, the devil masquerades 
as an angel of light. And that's what gets me. It's like, use football, you know, just football, just football. 70, it's only 76 days until Clemson beats Georgia. I'm excited. 76 days, all right? So, so you're, the, you're a defensive coordinator. And, and, and you're, that, that's, that's the team that tackles people when they carry the ball. A defensive coordinator. And, and you are playing this team, and every scheme you've seen is they run three yards up the middle, three yards on the side. They run, they run, they run. They never pass. And so you've, you've prepared your team for a, a run offense. And so the, the linebackers are cheating up. The defensive backs are where the linebackers usually are, and the safeties are there. So you're, you're in the box. And then the game starts, and they come out, and they've got five wide receivers, and they've got Peyton Manning or Tom Brady quarterback. And you're going, what is going on? And they start throwing the ball 40 and 50 yards down the field. And you go, see, that's what happens to us. We don't realize that the devil parades as an angel of light. He doesn't always come to you as a liar and a deceiver and a murderer. Hey, I'm the murderer. Listen to me. Hey, I'm the liar and the father of lies. Listen to me. Angel of light. And I, th- I think he comes as an angel of light and he says things like, aren't we beyond this discussion now? Aren't we beyond this discussion now? Aren't we... Aren't, aren't we beyond the discussion? I've preached a series of this. Aren't we beyond the discussion in this modern culture that, that human sexuality is only for marriage between a man and a woman? Can it be between multiple people or groups or same-sex people? Aren't, aren't we beyond that? Aren't we, aren't we beyond a 2,000-year-old document written by a bunch of unschooled fishermen primarily and, and, a, and a, a guilt-laden Pharisee named Paul? Aren't we beyond that? Aren't we beyond the discussion of men as men and women as women? Can't we be one sex one decade and the next the next and be transgendered and do this? Aren't we beyond that? Come on. And he doesn't he says it in such a palatable, gracious fashion. Aren't, aren't, aren't we beyond that? But, but listen, I missed a few things. I understand this. There's this line, okay? I missed a couple of these. I understand this. The kryptonite, the kryptonite for the believer, hear this, is the downgrading of the glory and the significance of Jesus and the cross. You see, if, if the devil can downgrade Jesus and minimize the cross, everything falls. In 2 Corinthians, there is this, this passage. Paul says this in verse 4, that some people had come in. They were, he says they're masquerading as super apostles. And he says this. He says, if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaim, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel. See, another Jesus, a different spirit, a different gospel. And then he says this, verse 13. For such men are false apostles. They're false teachers. They're deceitful workmen disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, for it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Wow. 
they, they just masquerade. So the downgrading of the gospel, the downgrading of the cross, the minimizing of the glory of God Almighty in the form of a man named Jesus, fully God and fully man, that downgrading is the kryptonite for the believer. And when that hits, everything crumbles. Guard Guard your hearts in this area. Listen to Jesus' statement in John 8, 42. He's talking to some Pharisees and scribes. And they say, Abraham is our father. And Jesus says, you know, if, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing what Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. And he says this, unmistakably clear. If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I am not of my own accord, but the Father sent me. So, well, can't can we define God as a spirit of benevolent, altruistic mercy that is in all types of religions? No. No. You define God as Jesus. So don't, don't these people love God? Not really. They need to hear about the true God so they can love him. That's why we go to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, unmistakably, if God were your father, you would, love, you, would, you would love me. Be very careful. The glory of Jesus, the wonder of the cross, the, 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 the mind-boggling understanding that my sins are forgiven because Jesus died on the cross for my sin as my substitute. The downgrading of that is the kryptonite to the heart of a Christian. And when that happens, it all falls. Satan, roaring lion, ravenous, wants to drink you down. And then he says this, resist him, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that all kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So, so he, first of all, he lays it out, says Satan's a roaring lion. It says, so, so, so be self-controlled and alert, Therefore, resist him firm in your faith. Now, if you study this passage in, in many very fine commentaries, they'll step back and the, and the writer of the commentary will say, well, how do we resist Satan? And said, well, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And they go through the armor of God, which is wonderful. But here's, here's my issue. And that's why I like to study books as blocks of truth. This was a circular letter written to churches throughout Asia Minor. They only had the apostolic oral tradition and this letter that was being read to them. They didn't have the Bible. The Bible would be put together for another couple hundred years. They, they just had this. And, and so, the, and Ephesians was written about the same time as 1 Peter. So the, the, the one who was reading this letter from the apostle Peter can say, by the way, the beloved apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6, they didn't have that. So I always ask myself, does the text answer the questions that people throw out? And so the question is this, you know, it says here, resist him firm in the faith. And you say, well, how do I resist the devil firm in the faith? How do I stay firm in the faith? I think the answer is in the text. We've been going over the last few weeks pretty slowly. How do you resist the devil? Number one, verses one through four, God gave us the church. God gave us elders who speak the word of God and, and shepherd our souls and who watch over us, men who must give an account, men who 
point us to the cross and point us to the glory of heaven and the rich reward that will be ours from the shepherding King Jesus. God gave us the church. That's one. So, so how do you resist the Lord? I'm vitally involved in the local church. I'm being taught the Bible. I'm listening to it. I'm making application to my life. Number two, you resist the devil. It says, likewise, you that are younger, be subject to the elders. So, so Ephesians 5 says that we should be subject one to another. So you say, well, another way I resist the devil is that there is a, a, a mutual reciprocity of submission among ourselves. We're open to correction. See, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, the, the, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. For correction reproof and correction so, so, so the question is do, do i have people in my life who know christ who who just speak to me who befriend me who can ask me hard questions let me show you a couple of verses this is in proverbs proverbs 15 the ear that listens to life giving reproof will dwell among the wise whoever ignores instruction despises himself hear that when you ignore the instruction of God, the wisdom is found in Jesus, you despise yourself. You cut off your nose to spite your face. But he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. I need people in my life. I need a wife who is godly. Who speak. I need kids who speak to me. I need friends who speak to me. Look at this verse in Psalms. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. <laughs> really? Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. When's the last time you said to a friend, go ahead, go ahead just smack me in the face? No. Just tell me the truth. So if I'm going to resist the devil, there'll be a mutual reciprocity or submission among the brethren. There'll be a teachable spirit. Number three, if I'm going to resist the devil, I'll walk in humility. It says, all of you be humble because God opposes the proud, but he, he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that in due season he will exalt you. Are, are you walking in humility? Are you saying, I need to be taught, and I need to hear, I need to, I need to have my life fashioned. I am more convinced with every passing month of the crucial truth of Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, then labor in vain, who build it? Happy Father's Day. Let's be bluntly honest. Apart from the grace of God, we will not be good dads. I don't think. The way God has called us to be good dads. Apart from the grace of God, we, we just can't pull it off. Speak to my heart, Lord Jesus. Number four, if I'm to resist the devil, I, I must cast my anxieties upon the Lord. You cast, see? Because he cares for me. So God, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, shepherding Jesus, I give this to you because you care for me. I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't do it. You care for me. How do you resist the devil? You cast your anxieties. Number five, if, if I'm to resist the devil, I must be self-controlled and alert, what we just said, and as we enter into spiritual warfare. 
There's a, there's a statement in the bulletin from Pilgrim's Progress. And it's a book by John Bunyan written in the 1600s. So here's Christian walking on the path to the celestial city in the background. The man up here to the left is watchful, beckoning him to listen to him. And there are these roaring lions. But do you see the rock? Do you see a chain? See the chain on the far left? Okay, listen to this. And John Bunyan says, In this allegory I saw in my dream, the Christian made haste and went forward. But soon he entered a very narrow passage, which was a distance from the lodging for the night. And he looked up, and he saw two roaring lions. See, roaring lions in the way. At this point, both mistrust and timorous, two previous pilgrims, turned around and came back. Bracket. The lions were chained, but he saw not the chains. Okay? And then watchful, perceiving that he was halting, cried out, Fear not the lions, brother Christian, for they are chained and are placed there for a trial of faith and for the discovery of those that have no faith. Keep in the midst of the path and no harm shall come to you. And what Bunyan is saying, he says, you know, if you keep in the midst of the path of obedience, of prayerfully submitting to Christ and his word, no harm will come to you because the lines are chained. It's a roaring line, but he's chained. But if you veer off the path, you're open for destruction. You're open for attack. And so, so I, I say, brothers and sisters, when this whole area of how do you resist the Lord, you keep on the path. You stay in fellowship. You're open to being taught. You, you have people who speak. You keep on the path, and no harm will come to you. But, but realize, Satan is a roaring lion. And then he says this, resist him. Secondly, resist him, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Resist him, knowing the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by brothers and sisters around the world. Don't, don't, don't throw in the towel. I think of the historical lineage. I think of present day. I think of future generations. I think right now around the world in places like North Korea, Saudi Arabia, northern Nigeria, people are being put to death for their faith, persecuted, imprisoned. Because they say the name of Jesus. I, I love church history, and I, I will sometimes take a walk down the, the corridor of church history, and I'll, I'll think about a man named Polycarp, who in 155, a man who was taught by the, we think, the, by, by the man who was taught by the Apostle John. So he was very close to the Apostle. He, he was a bishop, and he was 86 years old. 86, and he was arrested, and he was brought to the authorities, and they said, Polycarp, you're 86. We, we have no desire to brutalize and murder an 86-year-old man. All you have to do to walk out of here is to make an offering to this little altar God right here and just say the words, Caesar is Lord. And if you don't, we're going to burn you at the stake. 
I, I got to do it. just make a little, just cut up some fruit and just say, Caesar is Lord, and walk out of the room, Polycarp. And what would you do? That's what he said. He said, for 80 and six years, my Savior has been faithful to me. How dare you ask me now to blaspheme his holy name? Do with me what you will. They burn him alive. And I said, God, God, don't let me blow it because of Polycarp. Don't let my generation walk away from the truth and say, something is Lord other than Jesus. So I go fast forward, 1555. This is one of my favorite stories. Two Puritans named Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley preaching the gospel. They were burned to death in Oxford. They were bound back to each other around a pole. And as they lit the fire, Hugh Latimer, the elder of the two, said, Master Ridley, play the man. (laughs) And by God's grace, we will light such a candle today in this nation that the gospel will never be put out. Play the man. Fast forward 1951, February, a tall, lanky surgeon in China named Bill Wallace, 43, never married, turned down some chances to do surgery with his father in Tennessee, went to China. He stayed on through World War II and ministered to the people, and he's there loving the people and caring for their needs. The communists came in, accused him of being a CIA operative, beat him beyond recognition, and murdered him in 1951. All because he would not say communism is king. He said Jesus is Lord. Let me not blow it because of Bill Wallace. 1999, a village in northern India, an Australian missionary who just cared for leprosy victims and gave them New Testament material would spend the night in his Jeep with his 10-year-old and 8-year-old son, Timothy and Philip. And a mob surrounded the Jeep, threw gasoline on it, set it on fire, and when they tried to escape, they beat him in the head and threw him back in the burning vehicle. And they th- the three, Graham Staines and his 10 and 8-year-old son, burned to death. I said, God, don't let me blow it because of that legacy of faith. You can go on and on and on. We have received the baton, brothers and sisters. We've got to pass it on. We've got to resist the devil, knowing our brothers and sisters have suffered and are suffering. We've got to love the next generation. I, 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 I wish, I told several people, if you can get off work and just walk the halls of Vacation Bible School, it will make your week. It was glorious. 770 kids, run, I mean, being taught the Word of God, singing the Word of God. Let me tell you something. This is not your father's VBS. When I went to VBS, we marched in. We, we pledged to the American flag, the Christian flag, and the word of God. And we sat there, and we were told a story. And I was pretty active. And every other word from my teacher was, be quiet. <laughs> Quit moving. And our, our recreation was not much. And where I went to vacation Bible school, you had popsicles every day. And you ate the lolly, the, the pop, and you took the, what do you call the stem? The, 
Let's do it. Thank you. It's a hard word. One syllable rhymes with tick. Okay. You took the, the little stick and, and you took that to arts and crafts and they gave you a picture of Indonesia and put it on there and said, there's your arts and crafts. I mean, it was really very low-key, man. This is black lights. I mean, it is water hoses. It is junk. It is, man, it is wonderful. But boy, they're teaching Jesus. I went to a trailer one day and just stood in the back, and one of our children's workers, Ron Romanali, just shared the gospel. <laughs> I almost came into my life to Christ. I was so moved. And when I walked out in the hallway, and another one of our children's workers who had been doing this, Alan Jeffcoat, talked about Paul in Acts 16, the Philippian jailer. It was wonderful. It just happened time after time. What a legacy. They took up money to buy a, a car for the Allen family in, in, in India. One little girl came in, and she said, Pastor Brown, I had a lemonade stand yesterday to raise money for this this missionary family i said that's sweet sweetheart she said we worked all afternoon i said yeah I said, she said guess how much you made i said how much she said 999 dollars <laughs> yeah i didn't laugh i just couldn't breathe <laughs> i said you sold 999 dollars worth of kool-aid she says we also sold cookies <laughs> seven years old and somebody dropped a check. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I said, can you handle my stock portfolio? <laughs> but I, I, I walk around, and it's just the baton is being passed on. I see these children, and I think about us adults. I think about Matthew 18. Where, where Jesus says it'd be better to have a millstone hung around your neck and cast into the sea before you make one of these little ones stumble. I said, God, don't let us make them stumble. Let us live in such a way that they pant for righteousness under the lordship of Jesus. Church, resist him. Resist him. Be, be wide awake. Resist him by, by being involved gloriously in the local church where you're shepherd resist him by being mutually encouraged and submitted when the resist him by walking humility resist him by casting your anxieties upon him because he cares for you resist him by being self-controlled and alert well let's let's pray okay <clears throat> lord we now stop and uh, I, I ask your forgiveness for having ADHD when it comes to spiritual things. For not being focused, for not being self-controlled, for not realizing there is an adversary that wants to drink me down. And he'll use pride or lust or arrogance or ethnicity hatred or one-upmanship whatever, to drink me down. He wants to incapacitate me. So, Lord, let us be startled wide awake as we understand the brevity of life, as we understand the ominous responsibility we have to pass it on to the next generation, as we understand that one day we will stand before the living God. Let us be startled wide awake. And 
And Lord, I, I, I pray that we would resist the devil firm in the faith. I pray we would take up the full armor of God, but I think of this little book called First Peter. Uh, I, I pray, Lord, we'd be vitally involved in the body of Christ, in a local church where, where people shepherd us and guard us and pray for us and care for us. I pray that we would, we would submit to one another and be teachable. I pray we'd be humble, knowing that you oppose the proud, but give grace. You lavish your mercy and power on the humble. So, God, make us teachable. I, I pray, Lord, that you would make us people who take our anxieties, and we all, all have anxieties. We all have worries, and we would cast them at the feet of the shepherding king who cares for us. Oh God, we pray for, the, we pray for, for the name of Jesus among us. That it would be a powerful, glorious reality. Don't let us walk unaware. I pray we would heed the words of this little allegory called Pilgrim's Progress that if we stay in the path, then anything that comes into our lives must go through the hands of our Savior and the hands have nail prints in them. What a comfort, Lord. What a comfort. We bless your name, Jesus. Amen.